Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I am Mags and with me today, as always, my son Carlos. Carlos, how are you? I'm not too bad, as yourself? Yeah, not too bad. We've uh, just, literally just this minute finished watching the latest UFC Fight Island, uh, I think it's Fight Island 5, uh, UFC uh, on ESPN, Blair, whichever <laughs> number, uh, basically Fight Night Marais versus Sam Dagan. Uh, <laughs> We'll quickly just run through these uh, these prelim matches. Um, card started with um, a flyweight match. Bruno Silva against Tagir Unlebekov. Um, uh, Tagir picking up the win. Then uh, Tracy Cortez in the women's bantamweight got a decision victory. Uh, Jika Chikadze in the uh, featherweight division got a decision. And then uh, Tony Kelly got the decision against Al uh, Al Quays and then what's been touted as the knockout of the of the century with uh, uh, Impa Kazangane getting uh, getting knocked out with an inside spinning uh, heel kick by uh, Joaquin Buckley. A beautiful kick. It beautiful. really, really was. That was followed up by a, a 45 second knockout by Chris Dorcas of uh, Rodrigo Nascimento uh, Ferreira, and then we finished the prelims with uh, Britain's own Tom Breeze. Uh, knocking out KB Buller in the in the first round. So then going on to the main card, we start with uh, Ilya Tapuria picking up a decision in the featherweight uh, division against Yusef Zalal. And what a great match this was to open up the card with. Um, 
on the, started the first round pretty much on 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 the feet. Uh, both guys looking uh, to land knockout punches, but it was when uh, Tapura did the the um, the the throw almost of the the kind of like the suplex to to uh, get as a down when this game really kicked up a gear. The, the groundwork from Tapuria was just glorious to watch. The way he can transition from position to position, going to uh, uh, submission to submission was, was beautiful. And Zalal, as, uh, I've got to give him loads and loads of respect here because for someone who's, whose ground game was clearly not on, on the level of Tapuria's, the way he was able to defend a lot of those uh, takedown, uh, a lot of those submissions, and and kind of work himself into some pretty decent positions of his own, I've got to give him a lot of respect for that. Uh, but pretty much every round was was a lot of the same. It was it was uh, when when the fight went to the ground, it was uh, Tapuria taking control. Even when Zalal went in for the for the takedowns, it didn't take long for Tapuria to to find his way of uh, of controlling. Um, controlling the the ground game when at the very few times that the the fight was on the feet i thought both gave as good as as each other uh perhaps zalal was was the quicker in these shots but tapuri certainly did land a, a lot of his own but the, the game changer was the was the ground game it was a uh, really really impressive about tapuri and for someone who's coming in on his ufc debut uh, with a, a big heart train behind him, he was eight and all uh, coming into this fight. Taking on someone who was three and all in in the UFC, that's a, a great start for his uh, UFC career for Ilya Tapurian. A great fight to kick off this card. Definitely, uh, Tapuria came in with the odds stacked against him. Anyway, obviously coming in your first fight, the UFC making your debut, you've got them jitters anyway, and that he were coming in with a perfect record of eight and all. So. Not only is he coming in with a with a new jitters of could possibly be nervous, could uh, possibly not being able to get his time and his reach on point, but not only that, he's got in his head, oh, if this is his first loss, it's it's going to mess up that that perfect record as what a lot of professional mixed martial arts uh, artists want. Um, so he did have the the cards stacked against him. Now uh, I've seen a, a a little bit of his highlights, not not much, but. Um, he is a, a lot better. He is a lot better on the feet than what he were tonight, and I, I do believe that it all does come down to the fact that it were his, his UFC debut. Mm -hmm. uh, probably a little bit too gun shy at pulling the trigger. Uh, so it, and it, for me, he did get he did get beat up on the feet, and the right say the real game changer was the the groundwork. Uh, he were able to to keep a top position. Uh, a lot of people now, especially with grappling, they sort of taking the uh, Habib uh, approach to it, and you could see he was doing it with his style. He was he was trying to like uh, lace up the legs. He's trying to like grab the the wrist from behind the back. Um, but unfortunately, we're not we're not all Khabib, so he, he he couldn't he couldn't basically pull it off the, the, the for the full round. But the one thing he could pull off is his submission attempts. Uh, and the one good thing that impressed me about Tapora is he the 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 fight IQ that he's got on him was able to go right this guillotine's not working for me I'm gonna have to switch it up mm -hmm. he he didn't commit or overcommit to just one submission if he if if he felt like he like um Zala was 
was going to get out of it or if he felt like he couldn't get himself in the right the, the right position to, to pull it off he was thinking not just of the next submission but the submission after that if you would uh, that's why he were able to just move so cleanly from one to another because he already had it in his game plan what he was going to do if this if this messed up so that really uh, that that impressed me that to be honest um, so a bright future of him uh, in the UFC but going on to Zala he's only three and one in the UFC now he's it's not like uh, he got dominated in this fight he did he he did put up a good fight obviously the, the ground game is where he got him but that that weren't to say he wasn't good on the ground himself like, no, exactly he, he he was putting up his own fight he even got one submission attempt off himself so it's not like he was getting fully dominated it's just uh, Tapora was tonight just the better fighter. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, both guys have got uh, big futures in, in, in that featherweight division. But following that, we got uh, two first round knockouts. The first one uh, in the heavyweight division, and uh, our local boy Thomas Binol from uh, uh, fighting from Liverpool against Alan uh, Bedore. And this fight did not last long, I figured just over a minute and a half. Um, started uh, with. Uh, with the uh, Budo trying uh, a spinning back fist, uh, started with him um, landing some shots to the the stomach of Aspinall. Um, but one, once Aspinall kind of uh, recognised that that um, Budo had overstretched, he he, he just uh, went in and, and and started to 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 dominate. Um, Aspinall just uh, Budo kept trying those back elbows, and I think that was uh, that was the problem that uh, that that. That didn't work, and once Aspinall got the tape down, was able to keep uh, Budo down. Just uh, powered up and um, uh, just rained down that uh, ground and pound. Uh, Budo kind of tried to turtle up, and the ref uh, warned him. Didn't do anything about it. Didn't uh, kind of like try and uh, fight his way out. He was just looking to to cover up. And Aspinall uh, gets the quick finish. He was uh, not impressed with himself in the in the pause fight. Uh, but to be fair, this guy's now two annoying the UFC, two very quick stoppages, and uh, me and Carlson were both really impressed with his kind of mindset after the fight. He wasn't happy with his own performance. He's definitely going to go back to the drawing board and see how what he can improve. And he also doesn't want to rush himself. He wants to uh, climb his way up up that that division um, rather than kind of like force his way into a fight that he's clearly not ready for. I really like that. That kind of a uh, mindset from from Aspinall, but a great victory here for him. Definitely, yeah. Like I say, Aspinall in the fight, he he knew even though he's even though he walked away with with the W, he still took it as a, a learning curve. He mm-hmm. could have been the arrogant fighter of oh fuck it, I've won the fight. This oh, I didn't do all wrong. Fuck it, I won the fight. If I did all wrong, I would have lost it, but I've won it. So, but he he, he still had the bollocks to. To man up and go, fine. Yeah, I might have won the fight, but like Collins already told me, I've made some mistakes, and I still met him in this fight. So even though I've walked away with a W mentally, it's still coming off as a bit of a loss because I've done stuff that I've worked on in the gym that is in his mind as in layman terms. That's basically what he was saying that he's he's basically worked on this in the gym. He's been told about it, and he's still coming to the fight and done it. So it, initially, whatever he's done has failed. So that's. That's what's pissed him off, rather than yeah. the the win or the performance. It's, it's just the fact is that he's clearly been he's working on something, and he's still gone and done it anyway. Which obviously is 
is easy to do. It's not like everyone. It's not like we're all robots and perfect. It, it's it is easy to work on something and get in there and and just totally your game plan just goes out the window because once you once that gate closes, you're on your own and that bell goes and then it's just you're in the fire. Sometimes that's that's the most difficult situation of a fight because you don't exactly know. You could be pumped up, ready, like, ah, I'm fucking ready yeah. for this fight, could, and then as soon as that gate closes, like. Shh, what the fuck am I doing? What what am I supposed to be doing here? Yeah, like, what? And you've also got to be able to kind of like roll with the punches because you can plan for how a fight's going to go down, but until that until then that klaxon uh, goes, you don't know how that opponent that opponent might switch up their game plan to combat you. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's kind of you, you need to be able to flow with how the fight goes. That's it. It's like um uh. uh I think Doom Proofers, I think that's his name. Uh, if I, I apologise if I'm saying that wrong. He, he were a basketball coach, uh, and he used to say in his games to his players, you're trying to predict what's happening, you don't know what's going to happen, you, you, you've you got to basically play the game mm-hmm. and see what happens, and, and that's this sort of game, you, you can't just go in there and... Um, and I know a lot of you, like, a lot of these fighters of, oh, I see myself winning, I see, yeah, that's fair enough, that's not saying you can't do that, that's a winner's mentality, but... At the end of the day, when it comes down to paper, you don't know what's going to happen in that fight. You've got to come ready and prepared. And now, obviously, his opponent, uh, uh, his opponent uh, Alan, who was coming into the UFC, this just shows about the jitters that were on about. This was him making his debut, and it's not like he was a crap fighter. Or I'm not taking anything away from Asparov that this was an easier fight for him. But you can just tell that them jitters are real. That the fact is, he were. He weren't letting any shots off, or he were he were a bit sloppy, and he were he would he weren't loose enough. He were just too tight, and that were able. Tom were able to to use that at his advantage, and I'm not like I say, I'm not saying it were an easy fight for him by far, but the way Alan was reacting made it an easier fight for Tom. Yeah. Uh, if you get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. uh, but Tom went in there perfect, knew the game plan he had, stuck to the game plan. Luckily enough, he didn't catch that that basically that elbow coming in because that would have been uh, yeah that would have been a showstopper, um, and then near enough straight after that near enough a second elbow which he missed. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing if I had to guess, I'm guessing that's the the mistakes that he were pissed off about that he's uh, been working on because like Dan Hardy said, I couldn't see anything I couldn't see anything else wrong in that performance, and I think he'd once he goes back and looks at it, he'll he'll be happy that. He, he, he probably didn't do as many mistakes as what he probably thinks in his head. Because like I said, once you're in there, you don't quite know. There's, there's fighters who's been in that octagon before who's fought 15 minutes and, and forgot what's totally happened in the first round. Or fighters that's gone to the full 25 minutes and when they get there, it's like, fuck just happened in that 25 minutes? Have I won the fight? Because everything's just so on top of you. Everything's like just in the moment. You're fighting, aren't you? You haven't... Yeah, that's all you're doing. You hear that adrenaline as well. That's exactly it. Once your adrenaline's running around your body, it's, you're still all pumped up. So it's it's like uh, if you ever watched uh, like weightlifting, like your strongest men, like you'll see them after when they've done like a heavy rep. They still it's hard to give them an interview because it's, they're still fired up. It's they still fucking want to lift weights. So it's sometimes it's it's easier to give them a little bit of a layoff and then and then interview them, but. Tom might say he's got a t- good team behind him, Team Corbin, who trains with some uh, with some good guys. I say his big biggest name, Darren Till. Uh, I might say just his mindset at the end as well. Of he still knows that he's got a good ten years in him. 
you know, playing and running before you can walk. So that's a good mindset. And everyone, I think, should have that sort of mindset because, like I was explaining to you, you've, you've got these, you've got new upcoming fighters who, who look at fighters like Justin Gaethje and think, oh shit, well, if I fight like him, I'm going to get into the UFC. And unfortunately, that's not the case because the way these people fight is it's more prone to getting CET and you're going to get some serious concussions and you're lucky if you have eight and nine fights in your professional career before you've got to handle the gloves up. Uh, so you've got to sort of guess your approach at what sort of way you need to fight and how to fight. So Tommy's got his head screwed on, he knows what he needs to do, he knows how he needs to do it and he knows he's got the time to do it which he's utilising. I think a lot of other fighters need to look at that and and do a little bit of the same. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, so going into the next fight in the, in the middleweight division, we've got another debutant in uh, Dracus uh, Duplessis, and another fighter who showed a lot of our, um, a lot of UFC jitters. But uh, luckily for him, he's actually come out on the on the the win. Um, and again, another fight where the the end was kind of a telegraph bar a missed elbow. Uh, but yeah, this was another first round knockout. This one went a little bit longer than the other one. Uh, it started with Perez actually controlling the action. I felt I felt he, he landed a lot of a uh, a lot of hard heavy shots at, uh, uh, at Duplessis. He Duplessis did uh, did land some of his own, but the uh, Perez just kicked him into the guts and you could hear the slap here in, in the UK just you could tell how much that uh, you could see the, the breath that uh, Duplessis took uh, from that um, and that kind of like put the wind up uh, Perez and he was throwing a lot more kicks landing um, uh, inside leg kicks uh, but the end comes when Perez uh, tries to do a, a, almost like a, a Yar Rodriguez elbow where uh, he kind of like just tries to take him out with the spinning elbow and it doesn't work. He gets clipped on the on the, the side of the head and then um, followed up with one to the uh, the temple and it just absolutely face plants uh, Perez. Uh, Duplessis comes and pounds him and a, a, a good win. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that he's got a debut win uh, for the UFC, but I think he can, he can say he a little bit of luck there really because... Up to that that point, I thought Perez was the better fighter. If he didn't kind of that get overconfident throwing that that ridiculous elbow, turn his back on Duplessis, and you said it whilst we were watching the fight, you never ever show show your opponent your back because that that's the kind of stuff that happens, and and it, it did happen. I, um, Perez, yeah, he, he he lost the fight himself for me. Yeah, you can't argue with it. At the end of the day, like. He came out confident, he came out with the pressure, he knew that he was fighting the debuter, so he knew already the the jitters that we go on about are definitely real. Uh, obviously they affect some fighters, they don't affect some fighters, but in this fight, uh, uh, De said himself that it affected him at the end, not the nerves bit, but surely to, to start basically getting to set how he wanted to fight. Uh, but yeah, Perez, he, he came in he came in strong, held the pressure, and like he just got overconfident. He were able to to beat him in the kicks and on the stand up in the first round, um, uh, in the first part of the round, and he he just got too confident because in in Perez's head, he's like, this guy's got nothing here. I'm I'm pressuring him. He's he's not swinging at me, and when he has, I've I've avoided it and I've countered it. So <laughs> I've, I'm clearly the better fighter. And, 
he, like I say, he just got overconfident. And then when Dereza started getting his confidence in in the match, because obviously he's give Perez a lot of respect there, give him, if anything, too much respect to not do anything. Now, a lot of people need to look at it. If this is not a guy, you can't knock people out. Dereza, he came from two multiple uh, world promotions. He, he held two world titles and he was chasing another one over multiple divisions. So this is not a guy who's scared to fight in the slightest. He's just making his UFC debut, which is a big thing in a lot of people's careers. Um, and Perea has paid the price by not looking at this hungry lion and thinking he's still a young pup, which clearly just shows weren't the case. Because when the when the young pup smelt blood, he, he went for it. And uh, Perez, he, he went for uh, the sort of the elbow, which is like the, the Muay Thai elbow. And... The way I've been sort of training that, the way I saw videos of people training that and uh, Muay Thai people explaining it, they've always explained it. You should never sort of try and throw an elbow like that in the first place because you, you're bent over, there's too much you expose, your body's too much exposed, you, you can't cover up. At the end of the day, as you're going down sideways and lifting it up, your your basically chin on is on the outside so overhands can come over the left. And obviously, like we saw, when you're down there, you haven't got a clue about like, the uppercut coming from behind the ear, so you can get caught on that, which what happened, and obviously then the body shots. So they, they, they always used to say, if you're going to throw that, it's best to just do it from a stand-up position where you stood up and it, you're coming to swing around with the elbow. Because that sort of stuff happens, and Pereira's, he paid the price. He, he turned around, he, he missed the elbow, and uh, like I said... Um, uh, Deplessis. Uh, Deplessis were able to capitalise on it, he, he, he hit him uh, he hit him in the side of the head but one other notable thing he did and which was surprising obviously you'll get a lot of fighters once they've done that they'll jump and they'll just ground and pound but if you notice as well he, he hits him and then whilst he's on top of him his second punch he sort of stops because he knows that he's going to if he carries on he's going to start hitting him in back at head now obviously it's a debut you've just won your, your fight you don't want to risk anything it, yeah. And he just waited for Brace to turn his head in the slighters and start attacking him from the front before the ref stepped in. So that there shows good level of fight IQ to know. Yeah, in the moment, his adrenaline's pumping. He's, fuck, I've done all this. I've short notice fight. First debut, I've, I've, I've won it by knockout. But he still had the, the fighter's mentality to know, hang on a minute, know the right from wrong. If I hit me back at Eddie, that, that referee might fucking disqualify me here. So... Congratulations uh, to him for doing that. Yeah. Um, going into the the next fight, back into the heavyweights with Ben Rothwell versus uh, Martin Tabera. And if there was a turn in the punch ball, it's definitely this fight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at the 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 first fight that we got, and it was just glorious to watch. And then you look at this one, and it's it's. <coughs> Yeah, this is this it's is why. Pistol, I, man, it's why I don't understand why the heavyweight division is the most popular division in UFC because this fight was was horrible to watch. It really, really was. The first round was was decent when the both guys were fresh. Um, Rothwell really went all guns blazing in the first round. Wanted to to finish the fight early. In, in, that's his mo. He's done that I think twenty four times in his career. So that's that's what his game plan was. 
uh, Tabura got, got hit quite a few times. Uh, Rothwell tried a few head kicks. One got blocked and one near the end of the round, uh, he, he fell over, which fell over trying to head kick, which just shows the kind of like the, the lack of quality in this fight. Um, second round, you could tell that Rothwell was absolutely gassed. Tabura didn't exactly look fresh, but he uh, kind of like had more of a, a gas tank than Rothwell. Uh, and he started to to land more shots. Uh, he was able to get that uh, that clinch boxing in, which uh, which was probably the highlight of this fight. To be fair, the clinch boxing. I uh, thought that that when they were they were close up to Burr, landed some really good shots, and uh, you could see where he just destroyed Rothwell's nose. Um, they they started to to hint at the fact that they were going to do some uh, some grappling in this round, but it didn't quite come off. And then into the third round, that's where we saw a bit of grappling. grappling. Uh, Tabura landed a, a good leg kick. Uh, he um, he went for the takedown, got it, lifted uh, Rafael off his feet, took him down, and just pounded him for the rest of the fight. Uh, Rothwell, if this was in the first round, probably could have worked better on the ground. But you could just tell the guy was gassed. He was absolutely gassed. He wasn't even planning on a third round. And basically, he was just in survival mode. Kept locking uh, the, the, the body triangle. But both guys were, were slipping from sweat and both were tired. So the, the triangle kept falling down. And it was just literally just Tabura uh, riding out the round, just like tapping uh, Rothwell with with weak shots uh, picked up the victory, uh, but I, w- I can't say I mean I was impressed with Alba Fata to be fair. No, I can't. Like you say this was the the shittest fight on the card. They mm-hmm. were after the first minute and a half, they were both already breathing heavy anyway, and it were and it's not like it was just because the they're unhealthy. It, it, you can tell that the 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 healthy fighters, but they just. The end of the day, they, they they both just came out looking like two fat twats, like, and it just didn't look good because after the first round they were both just gassed out. So mm-hmm. when it came to the second and the third, it oh it just looked like two piss people just trying to fight. Well, that that after the second round when uh, Rothwell going back to his corner and the referee was trying to avoid walking in his way because it was it was walking sideways. He just couldn't control his own his own like, body. And the punches were so slow. They were, I mean, any fighter with any kind of IQ could have avoided every single one of those they're punches. All they're yeah. all te- they were, they, Most of the punches, after the first round, they were, they were, even in the first round, because after, like I said, the first, the first 90 seconds that went, they were both slowed down dramatically anyway. So mm-hmm. the, the, the punches and the, and the leg kicks, they were all coming telegraphed. And then, obviously, with the, the groundwork is... You can't say it wasn't in impressive with Tavora because I, I'll I'll give it in that he he were able to hold the top pressure, but it's not like he had to massively work to hold that top pressure. Ben Rothwell were already fucked anyway, so he didn't have the energy to to get up. Like I was saying to you about why like, he, he weren't trying to get up, he, he didn't have the energy to get up. He didn't have the energy to the only energy he had was to hold onto the head and hopefully the ref stood him up. And even the ref didn't because Tavora knew that if he. If he put a couple of shots down, he's going to stay in that position. And like I said to you, going into the third round, when when they went into the exact same position of of been up against the cage, if the board just starts raining down shots now, he's going to stop the fight. Don't even have to be hard shots, mm-hmm. just little taps, but just keep them consistent and keep them coming. The ref will stop the fight. And so that's the only thing I can give to him 
in that fight, what what made it to me that weren't a little bit boring. The fact is that he were able to use a couple of shots just to stay in that position. But then again, it was it was still it was just a boring fight because there was no there was, it's not like there was any technique or any skill. It, like it was just you could just tell it was just a classic, just two Dana White going looking for two tubbies going right going in this cage and, and try and knock each other out yeah. and. It sort of pisses me off a little bit because, as well with the the weights in in the UFC, obviously when you've got like you you 170, you 185, it's not like you can come in and just weigh over it and stuff like that. This is the only weight class that you could weigh in at what like 130 or 120 or something like that, no, and then it's, it's it goes two, over to 160 or 265. Yeah, so it's it's like how the pissing hell can like first of all that already. That weight difference already makes it like stupid because that's why they have the say. That's why they have the different weight divisions for the other ones. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you might as well just put middleweight and and light heavyweight together, welterweight and lightweight together. Yeah, for me, the issue is this is the only division in the UFC where there's a a massive gap between the very elite and and the the middleweight. Um, if you look down every other division. Yeah, there's there's skill levels. I understand that, and there's people who are always going to be like oh, top level champions, and there's always going to be people who's underneath. But they all have the same kind of skill bases. Where in in the heavyweights, if you're you can get to the top fifteen just on punching power alone. Yeah, just you can get to the, probably uh, the top ten, maybe even touching the top five. It's only the the maybe about six to eight of the very best uh, heavyweights have a different game plan than knocking people out and that's what I don't like it, it's the, the marquee uh, division for the UFC but it's also the, the 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 one with the least amount of skill for me that's it if you're not watching like the top three or four ranked guys fighting each other you're literally only thing you're watching is about a minute and thirty of somewhat good technique of heavyweights trying to box but mm-hmm. after that you've just got two gassed out men yeah. just just trying to make it till the fucking just the, just the end of the round rather than the end of the fight just the end of the round just so they can fucking have that 30 seconds to sit down on stool yeah. just so they're not having to work so it's it, I just don't like that division yeah. um, when it comes to fights like that I just don't like the division obviously like saying with the, the bigger fights it's a lot different and the one, the one, the one thing that does separate them is wrestling. Like you're saying, a lot of them have their own like skill categories and stuff like that. But then you put it. Who's been the the uh, UFC heavyweight champions and what sort of stars have they fought in? It's either been kickboxing, boxing, or wrestling, yeah. or jiu-jitsu and it's they always had them sort of ground games. Now you've got these sort of. If like we saw it now, on even on the working on the ground, these two working on the ground and they were both fucked. Now imagine them going against top five, doing like fifteen minutes or twenty five minutes mm-hmm. of just wrestling or something like that. They'd be fucked within the first thirty seconds. Yeah. And, and that's why I was saying about uh, you see fighters like um, Rosenstruik or Ganya, they'll get very far off the boxing skill. But it's only when you add another kind of like level to your game. Like and Garner had a great, um, had a. Um, good gram game and that's pushed him over that limit of just being a knockout artist mm. uh, these fight, these heavyweight fighters need to add more strings to their fighting ball definitely the last thing I'll say about Ben Rothwell is is like I say we talked about he retired 
uh, before, and I don't think he should have come out of retirement. It, it's, his fighting style does not work. He, he was orthodox before, whereas people couldn't really understand it because he sort of duck and weaves and moves about, but now that's just, a lot of people just put that down to like piss boxing, mm-hmm. and it's it's a, it's a, it's a fighting style that he's been read so many times. He's, he's had like over 20 odd fights now, and it's not like he's a hard guy to read. You know exactly what he's going to do before he even gets to the octagon. Mm-hmm. I think it's time. He's 38 years old. He's not ever going to get a UFC title shot. It's not going to make massive bucks. The only thing he's going to do is put himself in an early grave if he carries on, especially with these sort of fights. That, I think that was actually his 51st fight. See what I mean? And that's that's... But there's been no evolution in his game. Absolutely not. If anything, it's been backtracking. Mm-hmm. So, but it's like Paul, Paul Felder said, he's not scared to spar anyone and he's always willing to learn from different people, but I think this is one of them times you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Uh, so then let's go into the core main event. Uh, Edson Barbosa is always a, an exciting fighter to, to watch. And Maquan Amir Khana. Um this was a great fight, I really enjoyed this fight. Uh, Edson Barbosa picking up the uh, unanimous decision, very uh, fair for me. Um, I felt that he used his leg kicks really well in the first round uh, to keep Amir Khani at bay. Uh, Amir Khani didn't really land a lot, he, he tried for a, a flying knee which uh, didn't connect. Uh, went for a couple of uh, attempts at takedown but uh, was stuffed by, Bob, uh, by Barbosa. And it was all about the leg kicks and the body kicks in the first round. Um, in right at the end, uh, Amir Khan kind of uh, clocked the body kicks and dragged uh, Barbosa to the ground after catching a, a kick. Uh, but the first round I gave to Barbosa, second round, uh, a lot of the same stuff. It, it felt more nervy in the second round, like both guys wanted to, to not not get into a, a war with each other uh, but in this round when, when it did go to ground this is where we saw Barbosa uh, and his, uh, his elite level ground game with those anacondas every time he, he got uh, he got a hold of uh, Amir Khane I thought it was going to go for an anaconda and many of the times he actually did uh, but fair play to Amir Khane was able to escape a, a lot of the a lot of the submission attempts and, and get back to the feet but when he did get back to his feet, he was just not able to to land a lot of shots on Barbosa. Uh, Barbosa put him uh, put him down on his arse a couple of times, um, and it 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 just felt like that second round. Barbosa just turned it up another gear and uh, and was looking to 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 just dominate his way to victory. And going into the third round, it's pretty much what he did. He. Uh, he he continued that that pace. I mean, we talked about the the heavyweight fighters not being able to able to keep up with pace. Barbosa could do this for twenty five minutes and then go again. You could just you could just really tell that he's got that cardio for days. Uh, every time we got towards the cage or to the floor, he looked absolutely dangerous on on the ground. Uh, I think this was probably Amir Khan's best round uh, in in terms of uh, again his shots, but. Every time Barbosa landed a punch, he, he he fell down, and I think that was more because he was so worn out from trying to keep pace with Barbosa. Um, and I have much props for Amir Khan. I think he he really made a good show of himself of going against a very dangerous opponent. But Barbosa absolutely just dominated his way to victory. Definitely, it just goes to show that there is levels to the games, mm-hmm. and like I say, Amir Khan, he. he 
he, he took the L, but he's one of them guys, you can just tell with the way he acted tonight, he's just one of them guys who's going to take it as a learning curve, and he's just, he, he was just much appreciative of, like we heard him saying to Barbosa, we just much appreciated that the fact yeah. is he's an unranked guy, and Barbosa didn't have to, didn't have to take the fight, it does nothing for him, but he was grateful that he took the fight anyway, and uh, so yeah, Amir Khan, he, a lot of people, a lot of other fighters have come out looking at him way hell of a lot worse mm -hmm. than they have tonight. Like, Macon didn't look well, anything like Paul Felder did. I was going to say, just look at the Paul Felder wars. Um, so he's he's done something better than, than what the other ones are. So even though he didn't take the, the L, it's still a moral victory for me. So he can he can go away, work on some stuff and, and basically take, take it on the chin, uh, work on some knocks. But... Barbosa, man, what can you say? He looks incredible at that weight. If there's any weight that I think is going to make a legit title shot and a title run, it can't. It's got to be this weight. Yes. Yeah. He, he, he just looks too good. And at first, when I when I said him started to trim down, I thought, oh, maybe this might be a bad idea. Maybe look at him. Especially he, with his age and yeah, how long he's been going. Yeah. He's looking like a bit too skinny. He's starting to look ill, but I think he's really. I think he's really sunk into the weight. I think he's really, um, he's really adapted to the weight change. The because it's not like he was. Uh, it's not as well. Even though he, he fights at the smaller weights, the the light weights, the featherweights, it's not like he's a small guy. He's about. He's still about what six foot one, and he's all of his career. He's always carried around muscle. So when you're going down a weight, it's not exactly. A piece of piss. What people think just because you're going down the way, you're going to be that better fighter. You've got stuff that catches you out when you're like that. Obviously, you're the bigger guy, so you've had bigger muscles. So when you're going down, how do you, how do you still compete and how do you still look the same? Still having to carry this extra muscle mass or extra fat or 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 whatever, especially at that weight um, when you when you have to dehydrate so much and cut an extra ten pounds or an extra £15 than what you already do, then usually I would say already cut an extra £10. So, um, yeah, he, 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 looks, he just looks phenomenal at this weight. Uh, he, he's really sunk into his form. Uh, his game plans are on point. The only thing that did surprise me, he didn't, he didn't chuck in a lot of his signature uh, heel kicks in there. But mm -hmm. I suppose at, at, at this weight, you're looking at more, you're looking at a lot more faster... Uh, opponents obviously he doesn't have to worry about the power as such because um, I believe he if anything he's got the power advantage over a, a fair few featherweights um, <clears throat> in the top 10 um, and the speed wise he's always been fast as Barbos his hand speed and his kick speed yeah. is, is phenomenal um, and he doesn't look like he's lost any power if anything he's, uh, I he's think faster he's, and he's got more power yeah I think he's got a little bit more power at that featherweight and um, yeah, what 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 can you say? Who's next for him here from from this performance? He's he was he just seems unstoppable. I, I don't want to seem like I'm a proper fanboy blowing smoke up his ass, but he didn't seem to do much wrong in this fight. Every every sort of little mistake he did in the fight, he didn't let it happen again. He knew straight away every time he got that little jab, or every time he didn't count, he was slow because. Obviously, the first jab when he went in to put him down, uh, Amir went to go get his own jab off as a counter. So Barbosa knew already, right? That that could have been a mistake for me there. I need to feint it and then be a bit a bit faster. So the next time when he went to go do that jab when he put him down, 
he lent into it a bit and then jumped in, so he fated him and then did it. So that's your, your fat IQ there. You're looking at not only what can you improve in the gym, but you're also looking at what you can improve there and then in the fight. And that sort of shit is what's going to take you on to able to win a UFC belt in your division. Yeah. Uh, then let's go into the, the headliner main event, um, bantamweight fight. Um, Dana White confirming the winner of this fight gets a, a shot at the bantamweight title, and we had Marlon Moraes, the the number one contender for such a long, long time, uh, taking on Corey Sandhagen, who I think was going into the fight ranked four, uh, looking to to cement his place at the top of that division. And by God, did he do it! Um, first round. Uh, it started off pretty much a, a kick for kick competition. They were both like trading leg kicks. Uh, Sandhagen seemed to be the the more active fighter. He was uh, looking to switch stances all the time. Uh, landed a couple of uh, uh, leaping knees, a couple of good body kicks. Moraes um, landed a, a nice spinning back fist, but it was slipped well by uh, Sandhagen, who then landed a couple of uppercuts. Moraes um, uh, tried to rush into uh, into Sandhagen and, and landed a good right hand, uh, but um, Sandhagen did really well to kind of avoid the shots from from Moraes, um, and then Moraes went for another spinning back fist, which got blocked by Sandhagen, uh, pulled off a, a body kick. Uh, and then Moraes went for the, for the takedown and the round ended on the ground but I felt that, that Sandhagen took that first round he was the more kind of dynamic fighter his shots landed a lot more uh, going into the second round and um, Sandhagen started the round with that, that question mark kick uh, and then he yelled out yells out to his own uh, his own team about a broken orbital bone now I was confused I thought he meant his own bro- orbital bone was broke uh, but it turns out it was Murray's orbital bone that was broke he then landed a, a spinning nail kick um, which I thought didn't catch Murray's but Murray's like kind of barrel rolled backwards I thought it was him uh, attempting to avoid uh, like, uh, the grapple from, from uh, Sandhagen but actually on the slow motion it clips the top uh, Sandhagen clips the top of Moraes' head which uh, does knock him down uh, and Sandhagen follows up with punches and Goddard had no choice but to, to stop the fight uh, great victory for, for Sandhagen and the, the dude's getting a, a title match yeah you can't you can't argue with his uh, his performance and the fact that he I, I do believe after that, after that performance, taking out rank number one, he does deserve um, a title shot. Um, going on to Moraes, it's not looking good for him. Uh, obviously, taking it L to Triple C, uh, beating Aldo, mm-hmm. um, which some people did say that it was a very controversial win, that Aldo did win the fight, so again, not looking good for him, and then coming into this fight and losing early into the first round. That's if this were baseball, that'd be three strikes and you were out. So, luckily enough for him, this is not baseball, and mm-hmm. well, it doesn't look good for him on the UFC run. Hopefully, he can quickly turn his game around and see sort of where he's going wrong because, as well, he's been one of these fighters who's recently moved camps to ATT from where he. he he once was, so maybe that could have, maybe that could be having uh, an effect on him. Obviously, being down in Florida, you've got the sunshine there. It's it's a very easy place to 
right, I've made a lot of money from farting now. I'm in, I'm in Florida with my family. I've got a big beach right there. Sun's blaring out. It's it's easy to enjoy your life and and sort of let your mind lose track of of why you actually came to that gym in the first place. That that prize for that gold and unfortunately um, for Marais, I think he's he's because he even said it leading up to the fight, he's he's getting to enjoy his life a lot more and. When you start, even though it's a, it's a nice thing you hear fighters saying that, they're getting to enjoy family time, they're getting to enjoy the life, but a lot of people who've got to understand in this sort of game is when you get to these points, you rarely should be able to say, I can enjoy life, I can enjoy family time, because it's a very selfish sport. And I'm not saying that to, to put people off. It's it's A lot of people don't say how it is, and it is a very selfish sport. When, when you want to be number one or when you want to be world champion, you are in the gym early hours in the morning, late at night. You are first in, last one out. You you struggle getting spending time with, you, uh, with your family. You, you struggle getting spending quality time. You, you'll have professional athletes who who probably get one or two hours on a Sunday, maybe to themselves, just to do whatever they want to do. If they're not doing classes here or a gym session here or even resting or even being in places where they're supposed to be resting and, and just thinking about I want that UFC belt, I want that UFC belt. So it's 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 a very selfish sport and when you hear a fighter saying about that, how they're enjoying life and stuff like that, it can it can somewhat easily be looked at as the retirement talk in a way because once you hear a fighter saying that, it you start asking yourself is um well is there red in it anymore? Do they actually want to do they want to be the champion? Because if the moment you start going off that track, the moment them four other guys who are in the top five along with you are quickly going to take over you. Because mm-hmm. then four other guys have not let their man take off the uh, off the belt. All of them want that prize. Um, and McCory Sanders, he came in and and were able to show exactly why he's he's put himself in that position to be the next shot at. at the next number one contender. Um, instantly, as soon as he, he noticed the, the broken orbital, instantly shouted it out to his team to make them aware of it. To, and again, going back to the, the fight IQ, is you're doing that instantly in a fight, you've seen that, you can go for it. But the fact is he saw it, he shouted to his team to let them know. Yeah. It, oh, it could, I mean, it could it could well be like Dan Hardy said or Paul Felder said it, uh, I can't remember which one of them said it it could have just been him showing off like yeah, I brought your orbital bone just to put him I, off I, but. Don't, I, don't, I think it's with the fact that there's no crowd you can hear your corners a lot more it's a way of, yeah. of them being able to coach him that uh, I know that this is this is uh, this is a, a target what do I do Basic, that's what I think anyway That's he, he, he said that to his corner he's He's clearly fucking compromised. Give me something to work with so I can compromise him more. Because already when you've got a broken orbital bone, and uh, like he's saying, his teammates not long at it, so it's it's already to easy spot. But when you've got a, a broken orbital bone, it's like an instant sort of little C comes up straight away. So yeah. you already sort of know from, even when you like, say if you know a little bit of autonomy or or, uh, or human, uh, human autonomy or anything like that, you you sort of understand what sort of how swelling looks when different injuries occur and because I've done it in uni we've, we've looked at different injuries and one of them is to do obviously the orbital bones around the eyes obviously from doing a boxing and mixed martial arts uh, 
uh, personnel going onto our course. That's what I've been looking at a lot more. Like obviously the effects of of how much swelling goes around the eye, how to get swelling from the eye. Because when you're in a fart and swelling comes up, you want that swelling to go down so you can see. Now with an orbital bone, it's not like you can just sit on your your stool and get that squashed down. Because when someone's squashing that down, well they're crushing on your broken orbital bone that's already broke. So it's it's fucking painful. So mm -hmm. once that's broke, there's nothing much you can do rather than go to the hospital. So you're already compromised, you're already blurred vision anyway, and if you can't see out of it because of that, you can't see out of it because your glove's in the way from getting smacked in it because you don't want to get it hurt anymore. Um, so Corey were able to perfectly jump on that, hit him, and then especially with that, that um, the heel kick, uh, the heel hook kick that, that he did, that he, he perfectly landed. Uh, it's surprising that he, he said at the end that he hasn't actually practised that in sparring or out. He's basically just done that on his dummy at home because it's being locked down. So for him to just practice that on something that's neutral rather than something that's moving is is impressive to especially get it off against rank number one in the world. Yeah. Um, what a guy Corey is. So again, congratulations to him. What a performance, what a finish. What What is honestly next for him bar from that title shot? Yeah, it's got to be. Um, yeah, he, he definitely deserves it. Um, so let's look forward to next week. Uh, a bit of a grudge match with Brian Ortega versus a uh, Korean Zombie after the uh, the slap incident with uh, with Jay Park. Uh, but the card's actually not a bad card to be fair. You got one of Carlson's favourite, Jimmy Crew. Mm. Uh, we've got uh, two women dropping down a, a division to the flyweights in Kathleen uh, Chukigan and uh, former strawweight champion Jessica Georgia. Uh, Cyril Gadia taking on Nube uh, in Ante uh, Delasia, and obviously that that main event of Brian Ortega and and uh, Korean Zombie that should be an absolute war in the featherweight division. Uh, so yeah, uh, come and uh, listen along next week. Find out all the action there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. Uh, check out. Um, um, Visionaries Global Media check out Chair Shop Media Group and uh, obviously check out Shooting the Sports Edition subscribe like uh, share the YouTube uh, thank you all for, for listening that is the end adios amigos thechairshot.com always use your head Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.